less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Antonio, good morning. Good morning. It's uh, it's bright and early today, right? Yep, it's gonna be a hot one. Morning, <laughs> it's gonna Antonio. be a hot one. <laughs> Yeah, we had we had some difficulties with audio and stuff yesterday, so we woke up early today to record. I appreciate you uh, you taking time to being with us and sacrificing sleep to be here it means a lot to us. Your uh, your guys were excited to see you show up early this morning, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Typically, I don't get here till around eight o'clock, so I do a lot of the uh, quarterbacking from the house. Seems uh, to go smoother that way. So excellent. Good, good. Well, um, yeah, we're, Martin and I are really excited. I know we got to talk a little bit yesterday about your story, and there's just so many great aspects of it. And I know there's lessons to be learned from many contractors, but um, why don't you share with our, our listeners um, a little bit about your background and who you are? Well, um, I was born and raised in Panama City, Panama, Um came up here to the U.S. to uh, learn English and go to school. Um, did not intend to uh, make a career up here. Uh, the plan was to go back to Panama, but as it often happens, the Lord has uh, a different path for you. So um, ended up meeting someone and getting married and found my new home in Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, just uh, that's, a little, that's a bit different, isn't it? Like... <laughs> Oh. Edmond is quite different than Panama City. Oh, Panama. I, absolutely. My, my first uh, day here after getting off the airplane and riding to Edmond, uh, you know, Panama City, is, even though it's a third world country, is still a metropolitan area and big buildings and traffic and lots of people. And as I was driving to, uh, to my apartment complex from the airport, I thought, where in the world are we? This is like the boondocks. <laughs> you know, I was like, where, where, did my, yeah. where did my parents send me? I felt like it was a punishment. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it was quite uh, the change to see uh, fields and cattle everywhere and and not not very many uh, uh, houses or buildings, you know. But uh, so, yeah, quite the change. But I, I learned to love it and uh, it's, it's become my home. So Wonderful. So uh, what you said you were coming to learn English. Why Oklahoma? Well, uh, really, that was not on my uh that wasn't under my control. My, my folks made those decisions. Um, Oklahoma was just far enough north uh, away from the Hispanic population back then. I mean, <laughs> and the, the idea was that the, the more immersed in the English language you can be, the, the quicker you're going to learn it and the better sure. you're going to be. So uh, obviously going uh, to Texas or any of the southern states uh, or Florida where there was a lot of Hispanic uh, culture already there, there you know, it's more difficult to learn the language. So yeah. my, my folks were looking for someplace farther away. Did you, uh, did you go to college or just come up and work and, and immerse yourself in the population? No, no. I went to English school uh, first for English, six okay. months, and then I went to college at the University of Central Oklahoma. Okay. What did you major in at Great. UCO? Accounting. Uh, ooh, my kind of guy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, um, yeah, what what happened from there? So how did you uh, go from, you know, not thinking you were going to be in the U.S. 
uh, you met someone, you ended up staying. What was your next thought process? Like I'm starting my life here. What were your plans to when you were going to go back to Panama City? Was it to become an accountant? Yes, absolutely. The The whole idea for going to school here uh, was to be bilingual. Uh, Panama City um, is a very bilingual city. And mm-hmm. uh, if you want to really push forward in the corporate ladder anywhere, you have to speak English. So my, my parents wanted all the kids to learn English. So, you know, I came, my brother, my sister, uh, we all came up here to go to school for that reason. And the plan was to go back and then immerse yourself in the business world down there and you would have an advantage because you spoke English. Uh, again, my, my path changed uh, when I met Angela, my first wife, and we uh, began dating. And, you know, at the, at the beginning, there was no thought that I would stay here. But, you know, as this relationship got serious and uh, decided that uh, we may be getting married after graduation, uh, then obviously things had to be uh, put into a new perspective. Will she move to Panama with me? Will I stay here? You know, all those conversations took place. And and it was the, the decision that we made was for us to stay here and start our family here in Edmond. Uh, so I decided to pursue my accounting career here instead, uh, since I was not going to go back to Panama. And I began with that thought process. It did not go well. Uh, my accounting uh, strengths were not as good as other students. So um, my I, I graduated with what I thought was a great GPA. I think it was a 3.6. Uh, but all of my uh, friends uh, that were in my same uh, degree were 3.9s and 4.0s, and they were getting all the job offers, and, and I wasn't. Um, oh, I, I remember going to the job fairs, and, and one job offer I got was in Texas, and one, another one was in Chickasha, another one was in Ada. And my wife had a really good job, or my wife-to-be, I'm sorry, had a really good job here in Oklahoma City, so she was kind of dictating the fact that we were going to stay local because uh, she had a, a heck of a job and, and was doing real well for a company called Fleming Companies that uh, was a big food distributor back in those days. And uh, so anyhow, so I continued looking here locally and, and was not having any success. And that's how I ended up at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, a, friend of mine, <laughs> a friend of mine was a regional manager there and he offered me a management position at one of the restaurants. And it was one of those offers like, okay, hey, take this. And uh, if you find an accounting uh, position elsewhere, you know, totally understand if you if you want to go and move on. So he, he offered me the job kind of on a temporary basis, but I ended up being there for several years. So. Oh, wow. So what was your parents' response to that, um, that you were going to go and work at Kentucky Fried? Or is there KFC in, in Panama? I know they're big internationally. Oh, yeah, yeah. They... My folks' response to that wasn't really um, negative or positive. The, 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 okay. the, the clash that we had was with the fact that I wasn't coming home. Uh, <laughs> that, that, was yeah. really the, that was really the conversation that was difficult because they did not want me to stay, particularly my mother. My, my dad was uh, a little bit indifferent, uh, but my mother really wanted me to come home. And yeah. She was okay with me uh, dating and getting married and all that, but she just wanted me to relocate and start my family in Panama. And um, yeah, again, it didn't happen. So it took a few years for her to uh, get over that. Uh, she kind of got a grudge about the whole thing, but eventually, yeah. eventually, she got over it and uh, came up to visit quite often. And, and we had a really good. good relationship. So that's great. You know, I, I said this on one of our last interviews that we did with uh, Sergio Garcia, but I love 
the immigrant story. Um, I think it's full of so much ambition and so many hurdles and obstacles that no one really has ever has to experience. And it takes a lot of courage to say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to leave my family behind and what I know behind in pursuit of something that I'm just now seeing, but I see the potential for the future. Um, and it's, it's really incredible. And my father was an immigrant. Um, you know, a lot of my family is, and it's, it's really cool to see that and very inspired by it. So, um, you're, you're working at KFC and obviously doesn't have a lot to do with contracting, but at the same time, I think it might, what are some of the things that you learned at KFC, you know, restaurant industry is, I think probably the hardest one to work in Absolutely, because it's so service, so fast paced. I mean, just really difficult. What was that like uh, for you and what did you learn from it? You know, one thing that um, is, is I'm not a huge, um, I, I don't do quotes really well, but there are certain things I do remember. Um, and there's a song that Garth Brooks sings that talks about, uh, thank God for unanswered prayers. And, uh, <laughs> and, and here, this is really for me, you know, my prayer was to be an accountant. I mean, I, I really wanted mm. that. And, uh, and, and that those doors never opened. And, um, you know, like I said before, uh, instead of trying to push something open, uh, you, you want to go where the Lord leads and, it felt as if the Lord was leading to this Kentucky Fried Chicken position. I hated it. Uh, I hated the thought of it. I, I you know, I, mm. I, I really did not enjoy um, the whole experience there, but it felt like this is where God wanted me. So I was going to do it. Mm. And um, now looking back, this is where the thing got for unanswered prayers, because now looking back, that was a great foundation to everywhere else I've been in life. Uh, like yeah. you, like you said about the restaurant business being one of the toughest businesses to be in, I mean yeah. you are exposed to everything. As a restaurant manager, you might as well be the owner of the restaurant minus the the benefit of the salary. <laughs> that's really the only yeah. part that's missing. Um, <laughs> you are handed the keys, and you're in charge of uh, personnel, uh, HR. You're the uh, you're the facility operator, you're the operations manager, you're the CFO, you're the CEO. I mean, you name it, all the hats fall on you. You have to wear them. Yeah. Uh, so from a health department inspector coming in, from a customer uh, unhappy that their order wasn't correct, to the roof leaking, to having an issue with employees um, having uh, problems at home and bringing the problems to work with them. Uh, I mean, you name it. I was... Uh, baptized into all kinds of experiences very, very quickly. Uh, so yeah. I was, you know, 20, 21 years old running a restaurant. I'm finding myself going, oh my gosh, what, am, what did I get myself into? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so again, I did not want to be there. I, I'm not going to paint a pretty picture that I was like, oh, this exemplary uh, guy, but I just kind of figure, okay, this is where the Lord has me. I'm going to do the job. I'm going to do it well. I'm going to uh, make the the bosses at KFC appreciate my my work performance, uh, even though on the inside I was still like, man, I, I hope that I find an accounting job. I, you know, kept putting out applications and kept trying to turn every lead around to see if I could find something, but it never panned out. Uh, so yeah. I, I made it there from 1991 to 1995, and then wow. what, what moved me out of there was not accounting but the pursuit of a whole new dream with this uh, landscaping and contracting. Business. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to chat about that. And I really just want to point out like for any people, 
any listeners that are young and my, you know, damn millennials, whatever people say about them, whatever, like that's us. I think there's a lot that we can learn from that story because um, a lot of people these days don't want to do something that they don't want to do. Like you, you didn't want to be a manager at KFC and um, you pushed through it for four plus years. And that's really hard to do something that you don't enjoy, that you don't want to do, that you didn't never intended to do for that long. But there's so much that you learned from it. And so much of that probably propelled you and pushed you to do what you wanted to do uh, for really the rest of your life. And I think there's so much that can be learned from those experiences. So if any, any listeners that are out there that uh, are in something that they don't want to do, keep pushing through, keep learning from that, keep digging, uh, because it, there is value in it. It's not all in vain. Uh, now, that being said, there was you you did want to do something different and you did wait for it, but a door opened for you, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. So what was it that um, that opened for you? What was it that you were passionate about at this time? Yeah. Well, during this whole time that this KFC life is going on, uh, I have a uh, hobby that I have begun. And about the same time, the, the, the koi keeping and the fish pond hobby began in my life about 1991. It was my senior year in college. When I first mm. when I first saw a koi pond in someone's backyard, and I just was fascinated by it, and and that that just turned over all kinds of uh, uh, juices inside of me that I didn't even know were there. As far as creativity and as far as uh, desire to do outside work and and garden work and landscaping, uh, as a kid that was not something that I had. So I it was all new to me in 1991, all those feelings and all that excitement mm-hmm. and all that passion. It's like, it almost felt like it'd been there all my life, but I didn't know it. It was uh, really, really That's odd cool. because it just came out and, and uh, started flourishing. But again, it wasn't flourishing in a business sense. It was just a hobby. And uh, so I began to just uh, pursue uh, all kinds of projects with landscaping, uh, flower. Were beds. you just working on your own yard? Absolutely, mainly. Yeah, this is my own yard. My whole my okay. my backyard just turned turned into no grass. Basically, <laughs> Every, everything became a bed or water. There was water features everywhere, landscape beds everywhere, trails, uh, lighting. I mean, you name it. I, I did it. To the point where uh, my neighbors would come over and goes, man, you're going to have to start landscaping my yard because you don't have any more room. You know, so uh, <laughs> jokes like that where I, eventually, you know, that would lead me to have to move, obviously, uh, you know, because I wanted to have more space uh, to, <laughs> to continue my passion. So it all began with a hobby. It began with this uh, inner desire to really be creative and to. Uh, and, and more than anything, the fish, the, the fish just fascinated me. The sound mm-hmm. of water in the backyard with the trickle of the water features that really fascinated me. So that's when I kind of began to learn that there was this passion for the outdoors that I didn't even know I had. And then I started thinking, OK, well, you know, some people may not be able to go to the outdoors to get this. Right. Why don't we bring the outdoors to them? You know, again, that took a few years. Uh, to develop into that business uh, thought initially was just a hobby. So I know that we're going to fill the gap in um, throughout this story, and I'm excited to share about it uh, for you to share about it. Um, But just tell us what your company is today. So we have somewhat of an idea of, you know, where we're going, because I think 
I think it's really cool to hear this story, but I think it's even crazier to hear this story if you know where you are today as a company um, with, with your company today. So go ahead and share a little bit about where you are today. Okay, well, today uh, the company is called Aquascape. Uh, we specialize in outdoor living design and construction. Uh, so basically, outdoor living encompasses just about everything outdoors, from uh, swimming pools being probably one of our um, biggest uh, projects that we do. Uh, but it, it spills into outdoor kitchens, fire pits, fireplaces, um, outside sitting areas like um, uh, cabanas and, and pergola areas. Uh, landscaping, landscaping with retaining walls, uh, sidewalks, construction of uh, different hardscape details in the backyard. Uh, we also do some commercial work. That's not our stronghold, but we will do a few a year, mostly for uh, customers that were, um, you know, friends that were customers in the residential side first, and then they yeah. later have a business uh, development that they want us to participate on. But we don't normally go out seeking commercial work, uh, but do find ourselves doing some of it from time to time. Yeah. Um, if you, and I mean, if people want to know what your work looks like, it's incredible. Uh, aquascapeokc.com. Check it out. It'll, it's in the show notes, but they've got some beautiful pictures of some of their projects and it'll really take your breath away. Yeah. So excited to hear how we got there. So you're at KFC. You're a manager, you're probably stressed out, um, and you're getting ready to make this leap. Talk to us about that door opening and that leap that you took. All right. So during my KFC days, um, there was a small little window where I felt like, well, maybe this is where God wants me for the rest of my life. Uh in, at KFC. At KFC. Yeah. You know, so was that like horrifying? <laughs> it, it was, but it, you know, after <laughs> after being there all these years and nothing else uh, opening up, uh, giving up on the accounting dream, um, I, I did have to entertain that thought. Okay, is this where the mm -hmm. Lord wants me? Uh, and and there were those moments of of meditation of, you know, if this is where He wants me, then I need to be prepared that this will be my life. Yeah. Um, one of the things I started doing was uh, pursuing uh, promotion and pursuing, uh, you know, where, how do I climb up this ladder within this company? Uh, anyhow, that quickly got turned away when I realized that I was probably about as high as I was going to go with the company because <laughs> KFC, buy a franchise. Uh, yeah, one of my mentors in the restaurant business uh, was a manager that had been there for 20 some years. And I was at his level. I was at his level of pay and at his level of, of, of authority wow. within a few years of being there. And, I, and he says, well, I've been doing this for 20 some years. I was like, and, and you haven't moved on? And he said, no, normally KFC, once they find a good one, they keep, them, they keep you in the store. Uh, if they move you up, then they got to go find somebody to replace you. And oh, uh, so they're not big fans. Um, very, very, you know, and, and the farther up you go, the, the less positions there are, you know. So there's, right. let's say there's 45 uh, restaurant managers in our market, but there's only one uh, supervisor for that whole area. So to get his position, you got 45 of us that are going to be uh, trying to get it. And once that guy yeah. gets that position, he's, you know, unless he moves up to the next one, which is there's even less of them, he's going to be there for a long time. So uh, yeah, no mobility. Exactly. So I quickly uh, realized that, you know, either I'm going to own my own restaurant in order to really uh, move up uh, franchise, like uh, Martin said, 
or I'm going to do something different. And being that I just said I did not like being in the restaurant business, owning a franchise or opening up my own restaurant really didn't sound that attractive. But the idea of being in business for myself did. I just, again, wasn't sure what that was going to be. And I hadn't, I wasn't smart enough to connect the dots that I have this passion for outdoors. Why don't I do this? Uh, you know, somebody had to point that out to me because uh, I wasn't smart mm-hmm. enough to figure it out. So in, in 1994, I think it was, um, when when a, a friend of mine had asked me if I could help him build a, a koi pond at his house. And yeah. I remember him pleading with me and I was like, man, I'm, I'm working 60 hour weeks. Uh, I don't have much time. And how am I going to go build you something? And this is something I do at home for myself. You know, not I'm not going to come home and then go to your house. But, you know, he was like, come on, just do it whenever. I don't care if it takes you eight months. Uh, do it on the weekends. Do it at nights. It doesn't matter. I'll help you. I just really, really want to have one of those fish ponds in my house. So we we took on the challenge to to help him out and built him this thing. And uh, he loved it. In 1995, uh, just months before I decided to quit my job, he sends my name to a friend of his and says, <laughs> hey, uh, I heard you build ponds. Will you build me one? And I'm going, I, <laughs> I don't know where this is coming from. I built him a pond, yes, but I don't build ponds. You know, that you're kind of misinterpreting the whole deal. But he's like, oh, come on. I've seen the pictures. I'd really like for you to come uh, take a look at my yard. So and then another person called as a result of that. So all of a sudden I'm getting people calling me for uh, ponds and, and landscapes. And I, I haven't even said that I'm in business to do this. <laughs> uh, so yeah. as, as the months progressed, frustrations were still rising in the in the KFC business um, with different uh, different things that were going on. And and then in the meantime, this is happening over here. And, and if finally, my friend, the, fir- the first friend that I built the pond for came over to the house one day and we were visiting about some of my frustrations with my restaurant job. And he said, why don't you just do this for a living? Like, why don't you just quit and do this? And, and that, you know, really, so that was like ding, ding, ding. Like, wait a minute. I do. <laughs> you love really it. hadn't thought about it until that point. Exactly. It was even with people wow. calling me, even with people calling me, it just was not. One of the things, again, I think uh, I'll, I'll repeat this since this was said yesterday. The, the, the person that I was working for at KFC was a friend. So there yeah. was also a loyalty factor in, involved mm. of me. Just, sure. you know, he gave me a chance when I couldn't find the job that I wanted and and uh, so I would have to make that phone call to say, hey, I'm leaving. Uh, so, I mean, there, there were uh, some other factors going on, but definitely I had not made the connection on my own about, you know, I can do this for a living. So my friend was a, a very uh, exciting kind of guy, very passionate. So he was like, come on, Antonio, you can do this. Come on, man, I'll help you get it going. We'll get some business cards printed and we'll, you know, pass out some flyers. And, you know, he's one of those motivator guys. He, he could be a motivational speaker. And uh, so <laughs> with his nudging and the fact that I had a few people that wanted pawns, uh, I was able to build up the courage to uh, go up to my boss in April of 95 which is when it all began and say, Hey, I'm, I'm going to give you my two or three or four weeks notice, however much time you need to, to get somebody in the store to take my place. But I'm going to pursue this landscaping dream. Now my boss and I talked a lot, so he knew my passion. Um, and this, his words to me, when I said that were, I was wondering how long it was going to take before you said this. So he, he, so he even, he knew it was, he coming. knew the, he knew it. 
he knew he yeah, was the writing coming. was on the wall. Yeah, and yet I didn't know it. So <laughs> it's anyhow. kind of funny how people realize about us sometimes long before we do for yeah. ourselves. So yeah. absolutely. Wow. So did your friend go into business with you? How did I mean no, you, no. was it just okay, I'm gonna be a sole proprietor for a while? What was the step to fully be out of it? You're out of KFC. Did you start Aquascape at that time? What was the name of, of what you were doing? No, I, at the time, uh, my friend was just a, a, a motivator, a, a helper. He had his own business. He actually owned a window tinting business. Um, so this was just all me. Uh, we did not know what we were going to name it. For the first couple of months, the company did not have a name. It was Antonio. And just call Antonio <laughs> if you want a pawn or something. And then I, uh, I decided that since I was building decorative water features or decorative ponds, I decided that the name of the company was going to be Decorative Water Gardens. And, uh, you know, here's our original business card logo that we had created for Decorative Water Gardens. And um, wow, we began with that. Uh, again, there were a lot of things we did besides guard, water gardens, but that mm-hmm. was our focus. It was the water features. That was the, the passion. That's what inspired me to to quit my job and do this. So we began with that. Uh, we, But the reality of it was that it was not going to pay the bills right off the bat. There wasn't enough people lining up to order a water garden for me to be able to make a living and even get to where I was at KFC, you know, because at first I'm going, okay, can I at least um, get my income back where, where it was? Uh, so I quickly realized that one of the easiest ways to to get a cash flow coming in in the landscaping industry is to mow yards. So I mm. began, I began taking on lawns um, so that I would have that weekly income, uh, that cash flow, and then I could work in the water garden jobs and the landscape jobs in between the uh, the weekly services. So I yeah. went I went out and bought me a trailer and bought me some lawn mowers and. I started passing out flyers in my neighborhood. My first lawns were my neighbors that didn't want to mow, yeah. their, own, didn't want to mow their own lawn. So I already knew which people didn't like mowing. <laughs> so I targeted them. And uh, so I, I had several yards in my own neighborhood. Uh, I actually landed my first commercial account because my neighborhood association hired me to, to mow the, the common grounds. <laughs> Uh, so I, it begins, it's, it's just spread from there. Uh, a lot of flyers, a lot of walking around neighborhoods, putting flyers in people's doors and, uh, and through word of mouth, I built a pretty good, uh, mowing business and then being in people's yards, it was a great door opener for selling them yeah. a water feature because since yeah. I was there already mowing their yard, then I would say, Hey, you know, I would look great back here. <laughs> Yeah, a little water garden <laughs> would look really good there. So that kind of uh, uh, worked hand in hand with the growth of the water garden business and the landscape business. Um, I wanted to. Re- so let's let's talk about that. You you know you that's your first really sales experience because at KFC people are are just coming to you. You're not really having doing a lot of selling, um, but that's your first sales experience, right? Where you're having to go and you know knock on doors, ask for, hand out flyers, yes. all those things. Um, what was the hardest thing about that? For Because I think a lot of contractors get into it for, you know, like you, they're going to go in, they're going to build ponds and they're going to mow lawns at the beginning, but they don't realize they have to go and sell. What was, I, I think it was easier for you because you knew who you were targeting. And I think that's a big thing to remember, but what was that like? 
well, uh, it was it was a little intimidating. Um, right. I, I, I still to this day don't think of myself as a great salesman. Um, yeah. I, I just I feel like I'm I'm just going to facilitate people, uh, help them get what they want. And so my idea was to just kind of open the door, uh, throw yeah. the thought out there. Hey, you know, you, you may need this. Uh, you may, you know, and then kind of just kind of take it from there. But I, I never had developed that pushy sales kind of strategy thing within my, my well, good. Thing, you know, you, you shouldn't. <laughs> we, we just can't let that go by without passing. No, we can't. Great wisdom in that because, uh, if I were to write a definition of a good salesman, it would be someone who helps his customers or clients get what they want. Yeah, that's exactly seriously. it. Yeah. Well, there's even the way that you you don't you probably don't realize it, but you're prospecting. You targeted people that you saw didn't like to mow their lawn, mm-hmm. like just the, the fact that problem. you saw that you saw the problem, and then you went and you said, "Okay, I'm going to go to that person and say, <laughs> hey, I'll mow your lawn for you,' so you don't have to," and then when you were there, you were saying, Hey, you know, the way you, you know, that you could enjoy this more if you had a, a koi pond, you know, that we do that. I mean, you're educating them on something that would make their experience better. And that's what a good salesman does. It's not about being pushy or forcing a, a, a quote on somebody, but finding a need yeah. and seeing something that is missing and offering a solution to that problem. And I think you did an excellent job of that. Uh, and probably you don't realize you're probably the best salesman there is and probably a favorite salesman in many people's eyes because of how you handled that. Um, well, one so other, I think there's a lot to take from that. One other thing to add is as you build a relationship, uh, which is mm-hmm. very, very important part of this whole uh, uh, strategy is, is to get to know your customers uh, and, and uh, talk to them uh, outside of just the particular need. Because mm-hmm. as I would get to know them, I would find out a lot of them would say, Oh, we don't spend much time outside. So, like, I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything to my yard. Just mow it. We don't spend much time outside. And then I would yeah. say, well, why why don't you spend much time? They say, oh, well, if I had your yeah. yard, if I had your yard, again, a lot of these were neighbors. So that's where it began. Sure. So they, they knew what my yard looked like. So they would, if I had your yard, I wouldn't go inside. And I go, <laughs> well, that's that's the point. So if, if you wouldn't go inside, if you have my yard, then why don't we have my yard at your yard? You know, maybe not to that extent, but let, you know, let's do something that would draw you outside. Do you like the idea of being outside? And then they would start thinking through it and go, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, it would be fun to be outside if I had a little water garden to, to look at or, yeah. to, you know. So just kind of sometimes helping them discover that, you know, yes, you're only inside because your yard is boring. Yeah, I would be inside too. But if you put something exciting out here, then that'll draw you out. So a lot of that, but, but I don't want to close this segment without saying it was not easy. I mean, a lot of, sure. a lot of, a lot of days, I remember this vividly, like it happened yesterday. I would walk around the neighborhoods in my area. I would walk, you know, two or three miles circles around my neighborhood and hit other additions and put flyers on people's doors. And then I would yeah. walk back to my house and I would sit by the phone <laughs> and I would just literally <laughs> stare at the phone waiting for it to ring. And my wife would come home from work and see, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I, I just passed, you know, flyers for the last three hours. So I'm waiting to see who's going to call. And, and sometimes it was devastating because the evening would go by and not a single phone call. And yeah. you would think, oh, my gosh, I just wasted all that paper. <laughs> I wasted all that energy and nobody called. Yeah. I wonder how many people grabbed the flyers and threw them in the trash can, you know. 
and the percentages of direct marketing I found out later are very very low, and and that, right. that includes flyers for for this business. <laughs> yeah, but you know we did you know one person would call or two people would call eventually as the days went on, and so I, I never stopped that flyering for quite some time because I did pick up a few accounts over time, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah it wasn't easy uh, to to get it going. You know in fact. Uh, yeah. You know, yesterday, I don't know how much of yesterday's uh, you're going to play on, but uh, I said that I had to go get my job back at KFC that first winter. Oh, so yeah. that, that does, uh, that's a reminder that it wasn't easy that first year that we, we it wasn't, you know, we can look back now and see uh, our success, but we definitely had some trials to go with it. So, yeah, because you said it would start getting slow in the winter uh, that first year and you had to going back and get a job to get money, right? Exactly. Yeah. Cause that, that's and, a, but it's something you said yesterday was that you, because you had such a good relationship and you didn't leave that job in a, in a bad situation and you, you didn't burn any bridges, you were able to, to come back on that temporary basis, right? Yes. Yes. Good. And when you, when you left KFC that, that, that last time, right after the temporary job, was that like, did you know that was the final, like that was the last time you were going back? Do you feel good about that? I actually did not. Uh, when oh, it, wow. Whenever I left uh, that uh, on that second stint, and you know, thank my boss for giving me the chance. He, you know, actually the conversation was more like, hey, "Well, no problem. You know, if you if you need to come back again, you know, doors are always open. Let me know." You know, he, you know, he and I continue to be friends. So he he would tell me later that he was hoping that I would have called him back that next winter or, you know, it's like, I don't, yeah. I didn't want you to fail, but at the same time I was <laughs> wanting you back. So it was kind of sure. a, a real uh, sticky situation for him, but no, I, I was not sure. Uh, after I went yeah. back to work on, in 1996 and got more jobs and got more mowing accounts, uh, that's that year I were, I was able to get some commercial mowing accounts and the commercial accounts, you normally divide the payments over 12 months. Uh, so I was uh, able to get myself some winter income coming in. Yeah. Um, and uh, so in, in 1996, the idea was that, you know, if things don't get busy enough, I, I can always go back to KFC one more time and go work there another winter. But uh, fortunately, it, it wasn't needed. So, yeah. Well, we're going to ask you some more specific questions <clears throat> about your business back then. And it's probably going to require you to reach back into the depths of your memory. But um, we, we talked a little bit about how you were marketing, you know, you're doing more flyers, direct marketing at that mm-hmm. time, and then just a lot of word of mouth referrals. But how did you keep track of things? How did you keep track of customers info of materials? Uh, you're doing all this in your garage, I'm assuming? <laughs> what was that like? And you know, what, what was? How are you keeping track, staying organized? My wife was a big helper. Um, she um, even though she had a full-time job, she was my, uh, what do you want to call it? Office manager or marketing, yeah. mar- marketing helper. I mean, phone helper. I mean, she, she really, and she had an accounting background too. She had a business background. So she, okay. she had a very, a lot of business savvy and was very able to, um, be a great backup support for all of that organizational things that you're talking about. So, um, I think it would have been very chaotic if I was doing it all by myself. So having my wife uh, support and, and just being there for me was, was huge. So, wow. So do you, so you don't even remember how you kept track of things. It was mainly her. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
what about like you know when you're pricing jobs how are you how are you doing these quotes what were you putting in margin i mean obviously you had an accounting background so you, you knew a little bit of that that's important probably more than most contractors that start out but yeah, yeah. what was that like yeah, I mean, because of my Kentucky Fried Chicken experience, I knew about margins. I knew that, you know, we have mm. labor costs, we have food costs, we have fixed costs that in the restaurant. And so we knew what we had to sell the food for in order to be able to to still make a profit. And uh, they were very they were very picky about that because I had checkups on, on my books every so often. Yeah. And they go, hey, Antonio, you're, you know, you're your food cost is up. What's going on? You're, you're cooking too much and throwing too much away at the end of the shift or your labor cost is, is high. Why are you got so, too many employees on the shift? And so I knew enough business. Um, and from my accounting degree as well, uh, I knew that, uh, you know, you have to have a margin. So I began uh, with a pretty good basis. Again, my wife uh, was an accountant herself. So there, there's a lot of issues with contractors today probably not having that on the wraps uh, and, and do, yeah. doing things incorrectly. But fortunately, that was not a challenge for me from day one because I had a good business background as I went into the contracting business. So I, I knew quite well. Now my, my issue there was then what does the market bear? Because since I was mm -hmm. new in this industry and I went to mow a yard and you know I'm $50 to mow it and they said, well, somebody else is mowing it for 45 you know, I, I did have to do some adjusting and tweaking and figuring out, well, I'd really like to make this, but right. I need the I need the lawn to mow right now. Uh, mm -hmm. So, you know, I know this in today's world, you know, Martin and I have had conversations about, no, you, you have your price and you stick with your price. But I think sometimes that's different when you're trying to get going, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, if I say, you know, I, I need to have lawns to fill out the week and. I'm going to give up $5 on this lawn to get there, then so be it. Um, right. Maybe after I mow it for six months and they see how great a job I do, I'll be able to get my $5 back. And and, and right. oftentimes I did that. I say, hey, I'll start it with this and you're going to see that I'm going to do a better job than the guy that was doing it before. And then you're going to want to pay me what I uh, bid, to, bid to you to begin with. So I would go back and ask, hey, you know, do I deserve to, to get the extra $5 or whatever? And customers would say, oh, absolutely, you know. Now, if you're doing yeah. a terrible job, then yeah, don't even go ask. <laughs> so, Antonio, that's yeah. a that's a hugely important thing that everybody listening is either going through now or has gone through now. It's uh, when do you cut your prices to get the work and transition to uh, where you can actually make money and survive. And just because that's what we're talking about right now, I like to say to people, make sure you give them a reason other than price to buy from you. Mm -hmm. yeah. And sometimes you have to prove it. Uh, first, but right. Anyway, yeah. just more wisdom. No, that's great. That's great. So, uh, were you, were you, you were making a profit, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was making a Good. profit. Now, again, okay. Wait, the, the, wait, wait. Absolutely, I was making a profit. I mean, that's a key point for people. <laughs> yeah, is a lot of people go out and do it to get the sale and not to make the profit. But I, I just want to let that didn't want to let that pass. Absolutely, yeah. you were making a profit. Oh yes, yeah. I mean yes, and I, I love what I was doing. I was I was very uh, thankful that the Lord opened up these doors and this opportunity was there. But I still, if I wanted to do it for for a hobby and for fun, I would not have started a business, you know. So yeah, uh, it, there, a profit was uh, a necessity of this uh, endeavor. And uh, I want to add another thing to you guys is uh, uh, to the listeners here. 
my wife that year uh, gave me the news in 1995. I'm backtracking that she was pregnant. This is after. Oh, so during all this, wow. Yeah, this is after I had quit my job. She actually <laughs> knew. She knew she was pregnant, but she didn't tell me so oh, that man. I would not change my decision. She knew I wanted to wow. do this, and I was hesitating and conflicting within my soul on the prospect of walking up to my boss and quitting. And she said, you know, if I told you that I was pregnant, you probably would not have done it. Uh, so I, she kept it quiet, and she didn't let me know. I mean, probably till the moment where I probably would have found out on my own. Hey, wait a minute. What's wrong with your belly? You know, uh, but <laughs> yeah. uh, she finally told me where I was already, uh, you know, he head in and the, uh, all the way to my knees into the water. You know, so it's like, OK, you can't uh, go back now. Um, so in 1996, when we were getting the second round of, of business after I left KFC, my daughter's born. And so wow. so I'm talking about this profit thing, you know, hey. I'm I'm being the sustainer for my family. This this is a business, mm -hmm. and it has to be for profit. So yeah, Absolutely. we're we're not going out there to just work just to work. So, man, well, I think um, I think this is a really fascinating story, and there's we're we're all, we're not even halfway, honestly. So <laughs> the last question that I have for before we get into how things start changing, I want to know, you know. What was your, who was your first hire? How did you make that decision? Talk to us about like how you start. Cause I know employees were a very, very key as you start to make a transition. Yeah. Uh, you had mentioned yesterday, what, how did, who did you hire? How did you hire them? How did you find them? How did you manage them? Well, uh, so networking with my KFC buddies <laughs> was the start of that. Um, yeah. No, no full time employees because I did not want to obviously have any conflict with uh, uh, my, my my employer. But what I did is I had made some friendships with other restaurant managers in the area, particularly the manager of the Edmund store. And so I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, if you have any workers that would like some extra hours, um, you know, again, not taking away from the shifts that you have working, but if they want to work some extra hours, I could use some help certain days of the week, you know, digging a hole for a pond, et cetera, yeah. or mowing a yard. Uh, I also reached out to the person that took over my job at my restaurant uh, in Bethany. And, you know, he was an assistant manager under me. So he got promoted when I left and asked him the same thing. Uh, so throughout just those first few months when I needed helpers, no, no full-time employees, just when I needed helpers, uh, I would just get him from my KFC um, yeah. friends. So really, the K KFC uh, helped, in a way, <laughs> get this business sure. started. Um, then, in 1996, after my daughter was born, um, I remember being in church and uh, having a prayer request moment and praise moment. Uh, there was a lot to be uh, thankful for and a lot of prayer requests being shared. But one in particular that I shared at that time, in the beginning of 96, was I, I do need to probably hire somebody that's more consistent that maybe yeah. maybe still not full time, but somebody that I can count on every week to be here as opposed to, you know, one week, two guys, the next week, two different guys, the next week, another guy, you know, it, it, it was hard to build some kind of uh, uh, rapport with your guys when they're changing every week. It's almost like I was using a, a temp service per se. Right. Uh, right. So when I when I did that prayer request, class was over. And somebody taps me in the shoulder from behind the row behind me and said, hey, uh, I could help you. 
Um, really? Yes. And I said, huh, well, <laughs> what are you doing? I said, what are you doing now? <laughs> what are you doing now? You know, well, I drive a school bus. Uh, I'm, I'm still going to school, but I drive a school bus ride in the mornings early and then in the afternoons to pick up the kids. But in between, I could help you and I could help you every week, you know. And uh, Wow. And exactly what you were looking for. Exactly. So it's like, again, That's the, really cool. the, the prayer got answered immediately. And uh, I'm proud to say that that guy that tapped me the shoulder is still with me today. So wow. Um, what's his What's his role now? Uh, he is, uh, <laughs> Martin's going to laugh at this. Um, he's our service manager. But uh, when, when Martin and I did our, uh, our uh, consulting, we have decided that he was going to become our operations manager. But we first had to find a replacement for him. <laughs> And unfortunately, here we are on uh, year three of trying to find a replacement for him, and that has not happened yet. So this is uh, another one of those trial moments where we say yeah. it's not our time, it is God's time. And uh, Jeff and I have That's had good. conversations about, you know, we know what we want to do, but we're going to do it when the Lord opens the door. And for whatever yeah. reason, that door has not opened where he can step into that operations manager role. Uh, so in, in the time being, I'm still being the operations manager, um, but uh, I, I still have faith and belief that the Lord's going to open that door. But we have not find so, found someone to replace Jeff. So anyhow, we're getting ahead of ourselves. No, that's good. <laughs> but back to the question. Yes, uh, he was the one that tapped me in the shoulder. He began helping me in 1996. And uh, I had my first consistent employee uh, that was, you know, to count on every week for, you know, different projects. So. Wow, that's great. I and I think that's a huge help. I think it's it's one of the most difficult things is when you're by yourself. Whenever you're so used to running every aspect of your your business, bringing in that first key employee can be a big challenge. Um, just from selecting and trusting and all those things, but it really does shift the trajectory of of your business of what you're able to do. And you have to learn more about yourself in that process, about what you're, you're you're learning to have to let go of things and how to how to move forward. And you already had experience with delegating at, at KFC, I'm sure. Yes. Um, but when it's your own business, it's a little bit different, um, and and things are closer to closer to home. So um, let's let's transition and and really talk about you know the big change. You guys were doing landscaping and water gardens. Um, but things changed and you guys went in a different direction. But before that happened, there was, there was a a big life event that happened. Um, so share with us, share with our listeners, you know, 1999, what you, what you find out. Yeah. Well, in, in, and even before 1999, I want to talk to you about another, another life event. Uh, you know, one thing that is important to remember is every journey is going to have bumps. Uh, there, there, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the journey, you know, you look back and you can see, okay, yeah, we had some great times, but you have to remember that there are difficult times and to try and paint a picture that everything's going to be hunky-dory is just not realistic. Um, and it's, you, you, you got to be expecting those tough times and you just got to be have a resolve that you're going to get through them. And with God's help, you can get through them. Uh, so one of our first bumps uh, was in 1996 after my daughter was born, uh, my wife's maternity leave comes to an end. And she tells me that she's not going back to work. Uh, ah. At the time, that was a huge bombshell. I mean, that was like, what are you saying? Are you insane? I mean, we're barely into this first year of our business and we need your income. 
again, I, I'm I'm short sighted. I'm I'm not seeing <laughs> I'm not seeing the overall picture. I'm not letting my faith lead me. I am just kind of in the moment and the the emotions. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, we have to have your income. And uh, my wife's wisdom, which was way greater than mine, she said, "No, I want to be a stay-at-home mom. I feel that this is what God's calling me to do, and I'm mm. willing to give up my my career and my job to to follow where God is leading me. And He wants me to stay home with my daughter. So, again, once I was able to accept that, there was some bitterness there for a while. <laughs> but once I was able to accept that, I thought, you know, I have got to really get this business." doing way better this year than than it did before because my wife's not going back to work we're not going to have her income to back us up so that that was the first bump in the road uh god answered prayers just absolutely amazingly uh well well beyond my expectations to where in 96 always uh you know we did not miss her income number one number two i didn't have to go back to kfc that second winter uh so Good. so god was there uh all, all around. So then I think, I think, uh, you know, sometimes it requires that of us, you know, like God will never ask us to do anything or require more of us than we're capable of doing. Um, but I think also, um, you can sometimes you need those situations to really push you, um, to be uncomfortable. Like you, you have to be uncomfortable to be able to grow. Yeah. You know, there, there's no growth without discomfort. Um, and, I think because of that situation, we have no idea what it would have been like if she would have gone back to work. But I know that you probably had to work much harder and more diligently with those expectations placed on you. Yes. Um, and I think everyone's experienced that. Everyone has those moments that they're like, man, I am being pushed to the breaking point at some times. And I don't know how I'm going to make it, but they end up coming through. And I think God is faithful. Um, and I think also discomfort can, can breed growth. So, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, so continue. So, so you're, you're the, you're the sole breadwinner yes. and yeah. what happens? So, I mean, 1997 uh, is, is a great year, stellar year, just family wise and, and business wise, everything's going great. Just loving my new baby and uh, just having, having a great time, uh, having some, adding some employees to the company uh, Jeff's taking now a full-time role in the business. He's no longer doing the school bus thing. He's made a, a commitment that he wanted to uh, work with me uh, full-time. So 97 is a great year. 1998, we're experiencing more growth. Uh, the business is just going absolutely fantastic. Uh, in 1998, I bring in my second full-time employee, uh, which was my my brother-in-law, my sister's uh, husband. They moved. Oh wow! They picked up their family and moved from Florida to Oklahoma uh, for him to come work for me. And uh, at the time, I did not know it, but at the time, he was just going to be another helper. He later became my right-hand man uh, and, and just mm. pr pretty much ran everything in the business uh, in my absence. And uh, so again, '98 was full of blessings, full of growth. Uh, 1999 though is where another bump, another bombshell hits. Uh, so yeah. again, you, you know, you have more than just a bump. Yeah. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you have the good years that you can uh, look back on and then you also have the tough years. And in 1999, uh, my wife got diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, so another time to sit back and reflect and try to, uh, 
you know, pray for wisdom and just pray for understanding and peace because mm. our, our flesh does not allow us sometimes that. And the enemy is always uh, throwing uh, curveballs at us to derail us. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, a lot of a lot of thoughts, you know, why me? Why? Why her? Why us? You know, we have a young baby. We we have a, a, a small a small business just getting started. You know, we can't deal with this. Why are you doing this to us, God? Mm -hmm. So a, a lot of those moments, a lot of those thoughts, you know, go through your head. And but again, through the help of a great uh, church body uh, from our from our Sunday school class and from our church friends, just we had just unbelievable support an unbelievable outpour of love. Uh, and then also seeing the bigger picture of why did my sister and her husband move from Florida to Oklahoma? Was it really for him to come work for me or was it because I needed family here nearby to mm. endure 1999? Yeah. And not only having my sister here, which would have been my only other family member, uh, but also having nephews and nieces that are the same age of my daughter mm -hmm. that are now yeah. going to be hanging out together while while mom and dad are dealing with hospital issues. So, you know, again, I would love to say that I knew that then. I didn't see it then. Uh, I, sure. I experienced it, but I didn't see it. it. It was years later that you reflect back and go, you know, that that is, you know, God's in control right there at its best. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I always question, you know, why, why, you know, my sister lived in Miami, Florida. That That's a long ways to go to go work for a landscape company that's just barely getting started. And have no no idea what the future holds, and you guys picked up your, your you know your three kids and moved halfway across the country, and uh, but then I was able to see the bigger picture that you know it wasn't so much so that Eric could work for me, but it was more so so that the family could be together, and uh, wow. So we endured 1999 with uh, ups and downs. Uh, there were joyful moments throughout the journey. Uh, there were terrible, terrible valleys and just being in the bottom of a pit where you just scream that just, how do I get out of here? Oh, I mean. uh, yeah. And so we just went through that roller coaster through, through the 99. And um, again, we, we learned to just understand what church family is all about. I mean, oh my gosh, if mm. anyone ever, ever says, I don't need church, um, uh, it's, it's, they, you cannot be farthest from the truth because the church body is there to uplift and support each other. Yes, you can have a relationship with God, and yes, you can pray on your own. You can read the Bible on your own. But the church body is just a great, great um, motivator, uh, uplifter, prayer partners. They suffer with you. Uh, they cry with you. They rejoice with you. I mean, there is just an amazing uh, appreciation that... Uh, I was able to gain for the church in 1999 that I did not have before. Uh, wow. and, and that continued to grow in my life because, uh, unfortunately, the story didn't end with the you know, good ending from uh, a world perspective because my wife ended up passing away on January 2nd of 2000. And uh, wow. so we lost the battle. We lost the battle on, on earthly terms. But ultimately is still a victory because she's in heaven and she is yeah. uh, with the Lord, whereas where we're all going to be, if you're a Christian, that's where we're all uh, aiming to be at. And that's yeah. what, that's that's our destination. She just got there uh, sooner than I wanted her to. Uh, <laughs> we definitely yeah. uh, uh, grieve and, and uh, are in pain and suffer that. But we're also rejoiced 
with the fact that, hey, she finished her journey and she did she did it very well while she was here. She she ran a very good race and and she's there. And, you know, we will get there all at, at our timing that the Lord has for us. So, you know, having had the opportunity to see what 20 years pass by, you know, all of that wisdom comes in due time. You know, yes, I could tell you that it would have been better if I had all that at the time that it happened. No, you know, there was a lot of tears and there was a lot of bitterness and there was a lot of uh, fighting God and asking why, why, why. But again, through uh, just his, his enormous uh, love for us and through the friendship of uh, other believers, you know, we were able to push through and uh, get over to the other side. So um, that's power. And you said, yeah, I, I'm sorry about that, but I, I know that it's been a while now and you've, it sounds like you've had a, a really great time of reflection and, and learning and peace with it as well. Um, and I know that yesterday when we were speaking about this, you had mentioned that how, you know, you already talked about how helpful it was for your brother-in-law and your sister to be around and to have family and to have the church body. But I think specifically those employees, uh, Jeff and your brother-in-law were very key to you getting through that in 2000 because I mean, obviously I would not be in a good place if my wife had just passed yes. and was dealing with cancer, but, um, yeah, they, they were able to take everything onto their plate and, and run things, right? Exactly, exactly. I mean, there, there's so many stories within the story that I think we could talk for eight hours. Um, so <laughs> I appreciate you bringing that up. Uh, but yes, I mean, uh, on the personal side, the, the, the support was in, immense. But also in the business side, those two guys, um, you know, it's just like, wow. I mean, uh, how, how blessed can I be? that to have two people that walk up to me and say, Hey, we got it. No, yeah. no worries. We got it. And, and they did. I mean, they stepped up to the plate and, uh, it was so, uh, liberating for me to just know that, Hey, you know, as I'm dealing with this family crisis, I don't have to worry about the business collapsing. Honestly, I probably didn't care. <laughs> I wasn't, yeah. I was at a mental place where I thought, you know, if the business collapses, you know, so be it, uh, I'll have to start over whatever. Uh, because that wasn't important to me at the time, but right. but having those guys to say, you know, we're going to take control, we're going to take the reins, or we're going to push this forward, was an enormous blessing. And uh, whenever I was able to uh, return uh, in in the spring of two thousand, uh, then you know the business was there for it to just continue moving yeah. forward. So, well, I think that's a big point for for anybody. Like you, you can never predict what's going to happen, and you know, we act like we, we assume, we know that there's been bumps in the road in the past, but we assume that we're on kind of a linear track. Things are just going to go smooth. And we have these five-year plans that are going to pan out, but there's go we, we know that there will be bumps in the road moving forward too. You, we have to understand that. And it's so important to find good employees, to have systems and processes, to be able to delegate and pull yourself out. Because when, when tragedy strikes, when things that you don't expect happen, uh, you have to have those those people around and those systems around to be able to to get through those moments. Um, and so it's important to work on your business. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I want to talk about pools now um, yeah. because up until this point, you know, you're aquascape and, and you do pools primarily now, but that was, this is, still hasn't been introduced into the business model. So uh, tell us about the first time you heard about pools 
Well, uh, in 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 the year two thousand, uh, whenever that whole thing was going on with uh, the the after my wife passed away, I, I finished up a landscaping job that year for a customer that had been very involved with us as far as on the family side of things, uh, you know, helping with meals and helping with prayer and, and visitation and whatnot. Uh, but uh, she was also a customer. And uh, as we finished out the job and we found out a few months later that they were moving uh, to another house and they reached out to me and asked if I would build them a pool. And that's the first time. Why did they do that? I mean, I, I mean, I, I still honestly, I still do not know the answer to that question. Uh, <laughs> other than to tell you that that was God's way of opening that door. I, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know because it is not rational for a person mm -hmm. to ask someone that doesn't do something to to build them a pool. I mean, it's, it's, so it'd be like me calling you, Khalil, right now and say, hey, man, I want you to call me a, a, a eagle out of a piece of wood. And, and you know you're you're not a sculptor, you know. So you're, sure. you're gonna probably look at me and go, "Are you in, are you out of your mind?" You know, I, I don't know. Maybe that's too extreme of an example. No, you know, I, yeah. the only thing I can think of is you you. So you probably you built them a pond before this at their old house. Yes, I built them a pond. But, I done some landscaping for them, and I mow their yards and so all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you must have built that pond so good they wanted to swim in it. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, and just just. In listening to this remarkable story, uh, Antonio, of course, the reason they chose you is they chose your character and your passion. And yeah. they knew even before you that that would translate into a magnificent pool. But yeah, this this is quite a story. Yeah, Antonio, I think uh, you had said yesterday that they, they said they love their pond so much they wish they could have you build uh, their pool to look as beautiful as their pond, right? Yes, yes. And, and that was a, a motivator factor for them to get that uh, nature-like feel of a pool. And uh, again, I fought it off with the idea of, well, I don't build pools. <laughs> so we, yeah. went, uh, we, we went on a little bit of a, a back and forth uh, journey there for a few uh, weeks of me saying, no, I don't, don't really don't feel capable or don't feel right about doing this. Um, yeah they eventually kind of quiet down and, and went away. I thought that it was over. Uh, they, they were busy with their move and getting their new house going. So it kind of got put on pause. Uh, in the meantime, um, that same year, I decided to move to a new house and I was going to build myself a pool. And um, again, a little bit different because doing it for yourself is, is not the same as doing it for someone else. Uh, but as I began those plans and began that process, uh, word got out. And uh, so this this client heard that I was going to be building myself a pool. And they so they reached back out <laughs> to me a second time and said, hey, wait a minute. You say you wouldn't do this for us, but yet you're building yourself a pool. And uh, so we had to go through that process again of um, negotiating this, this whole perspective. But uh, eventually uh, they... Uh, convinced me to build him a pool. Wow. Yeah, I, I, that's a little nerve wracking, I bet, because I don't know, like I get like a pond, I, like you're not going to swim in it. There's not like health concerns, really. I mean, I'm sure there probably could be if you did a really poor job or didn't take care of it and someone fell in. But with a pool, I feel like there's more like liability there. Were you were you scared to, to do it for them? 
You know, at, at the time, jeez, uh, I mean, I was probably what um, in my mid twenties, somewhere about no, uh, twenty eight, twenty nine. So, I, I had a lot more. Um, I had a, a lot more. Um, I don't know what the word is. I'm You're sorry. willing to take more risks. Uh, yes, uh, the risk factor for me, you know, like hey, I even jumped out of an airplane back then. Uh, I, would, I, I wouldn't do that now, <laughs> you know, but yes, I was willing to take more risks and, and the challenges that, that were presented to me sometimes would outdo my fears, you know, just the, the, the idea of completing that challenge or, or rising up to a challenge. Yes, there would be fear. Don't get me wrong, but mm -hmm. the, 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 you know, the excitement of the challenge would normally surpass that fear. So I would go ahead and give it a try anyway. Uh, now, I did have help. I mean, so surrounding yourself by people that are smarter than you are is always a good thing. You know, mm -hmm. the other day you asked me about a quote of the day. You know, I was kind of thinking of a couple of things overnight, you know, and, and that's one of them. Surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. I mean, you mm -hmm. don't have to know it all. You just have to know where to get the answers. And, and that's a, a huge lesson for anyone in business that, you know, you're going to be presented with challenges that you're not capable of solving on your own. But, you know, you're, you have business acquaintances, you have friends, you have people that you can use as resources to find the answers to make sure you, that you do it correctly. Um, and, and another thing is when you make a mistake, you own up to it and learn from it. You know, there's going to be lots of mistakes along the journey. And the, the worst thing you can do is to blame somebody else or, or blame a circumstance. Just own it and say, hey, you know, I screwed up and I'm going to learn from this so that next time I won't make that same mistake. Uh, so, yes, there, there were definitely challenges. There was definitely fear. But I, I put myself around people that had some resources that I could use to make sure that I gave this client a worthy pool. I wasn't going to just take the job and go do a subpar job. Uh, with it, you know, so there was a, a lot of research done. There was a lot of time uh, spent uh, reading and a lot of time spent talking to people before we went out there and dug that hole. So, yeah. So that was your first pool. How quickly did you get your next one? You know, the pool wasn't even finished uh, when she had already <laughs> referred me to someone else. <laughs> so, she didn't even know she could swim in it. And she told people, you got to use this guy. She was getting her hair done. Uh, and her hairdresser lady uh, was talking to her and they, they started chatting about the fact that she was having a pool put in. And the lady that was in the stall next to her, this is pre-coronavirus, by the way. You could be closer than six foot, I guess, and listen to each other's conversations. So the lady that was next to her uh, uh, approached her afterwards like, hey, I want to get a pool built. And you were just talking about this person doing yours. And so she gave her my name. So yes, I got my second leave while my Before first pool was still not finished. And of wow. course, I was building my own uh, at my house. So within the first few months of this endeavor, I had three pools under my belt, you know. Uh, so wow. I set out to build me a pool personally. And the next thing I know, I have three pools. And that that was really kind of the platform that, that began the whole thing. Because from there, I got another referral and another referral. And, and to Just close kept that, building. Yeah, I kept building. Yeah. So how did it, when, at what point did you change your name? Was that years later? Was that at that time? Because you water gardens, decorated water gardens didn't make sense? Yes, it, it was about a year and a half later. So the whole this whole thing began in 2001. It wasn't until the end of 2002 
that we uh, came up with Aquascape Pools. Uh, so for a good um, for a good year and a half, we built pools under decorative water gardens. So it was just another right. another service of decorative water gardens was swimming pools. Um, yeah. And um, in 2002, we decided that you know it may be less confusing uh, to to customers uh, that were seeking uh, pool help. So we right. we opened up a second company. So decorative water gardens stayed in 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 the mix, stayed in the business, but then Aquascape Pools began just to uh, take care of our, our pool calls. Yeah. Hey, Antonio, so, real quickly, before oh, we ahead. get past that, you uh, haven't built a pool yet, and all of a sudden you've got three more. And when you went through those, did you have any major stumbling blocks, any major uh, learning curves? And if so, or if not, why not? I mean, were you there every day, or did they work oh, out I, pretty well? No, no, no. Yeah, again, tons of learning curves. I mean, yes. I mean, we, we felt like those first three uh, had, you know, enormous challenges because it was all new to us. Uh, mm -hmm. So e every single day, it was a learning experience. Every single time I turned my head a different direction, I was learning something new. So, yes, there were a lot of stumbling blocks. There was a lot of things that uh, uh, require extra effort. And but, you know, again, the, the more we did it, uh, the easier it became. Uh, but again, stressing a point here is that we sought after people that knew more than we did. So we were not yeah. going to try to just go out there and, and, you know, engineer this on our own without proper help. So, you know, we, we always try to surround ourselves with people that knew more than we did as we got past those stumbling blocks. Um, yeah. You, you know, as the years went on, experience, you know, they say that the university, Hard Knocks University is the best university. I mean, experience teaches you a lot. So obviously, yeah. the more pools we did, the, the, the easier it became. And you, so, you spent a lot of personal time at the jobs during that personal yes. responsibility. Yeah. Yes. Now, and and the, sorry, but the reason I bring that up is I think I, I know of clients and other companies that get started and then they have the opportunity to get a large number of work and something new and i frequently discourage them from taking 20 taking on 20 pools before they've done one and and that's why just uh yeah, the learning requires all their time yeah our growth was uh, our growth was slow it wasn't exponential so that's good we didn't find ourselves in that scenario where all of the sudden we had 20 pools we you know we did get there but we got there uh, at a good pace so that yeah. we were able to to keep it managed. Uh, I think 2005 was really the year where things kind of started exploding, and you know by then we had three three and a half years under our belt, so we felt ready for that explosion. You know, right? So that's good. Now, really quick, I mean, you started your landscaping and your pricing was, you know kind of what the market would bear, but also what you thought you were worth. You, you know, you had built in profit margins, um, from the get go because of your experience at KFC. But whenever you got into pools, I mean, that's a completely different purchase price than a pond, I would imagine, right? You're not, they're not even close in, in price, are they? No, no. The, the, the numbers are totally in different, uh, completely different areas. I mean, ponds, Typically, uh, you can do in you know in the ten to twenty thousand dollar range, you know pools. You're talking about sixty, seventy, up to a hundred. So, completely different. Uh, so how did you, how did you make? I mean, did you just keep this? How did you, you know, 
it's hard to just price something that much larger when you've never done it before. What did, what was that like for you? Well, the principle doesn't change. I mean, if, if you have a margin, if you're working for a margin, whether you're going to price a job that's $10 or a job that is $100 or $10,000, if you have your margin and that's what you are wanting to uh, you know, make for your profit, then the, the, the numbers take care of themselves after that. Yeah. So I think the, the biggest thing to learn there is, you know, what, what is your margin? What do you, what do you want to do? And then you stick with that. Uh, my difficulty was not that part. My difficulty was just knowing what things cost because it was a whole new, uh, you know, set of circumstances for us. So understanding the time that it takes to put in plumbing on a pool, understanding the time that it takes to, to do rebar, understanding the time that it takes to clean up a yard after the job is finished. All of those numbers before before you can add your margin to it had to be understood and had to be uh, deciphered. And we, mm -hmm. we did have a lot of challenges and a lot of struggles there because I missed some. I missed yeah. some quite often where I would think, well, we should be able to get that done in three days. And it, it took four or five. Uh, and, and then you are there scratching your head going, well, what went wrong? And, and, and circumstances change from pool to pool. Um, that's another learning curve. You know, some pools... Yeah. The, the ground cooperates and the guys can get in and out quicker when they're doing the plumbing. And then the next pool, the ground is like digging through concrete and you put the shovel in the ground and it just bounces back on your hand and you realize, wait a minute, this one's going to take longer. So, so sometimes whenever you did the numbers at the end of the day, uh, the profit was not what we wanted it to be. But I have, I have learned early on in the career, I also learned that you, you can't have every day be profitable. Our goal is to be profitable at the end of the year. Um, so I, I'm not going to sit there and look at my books daily and, and scratch my head. You know, something went a little long. Yes, it took, but you know, tomorrow may go a little bit faster and we recover. So as, as long as at the end of the year, your profit margin is where it needs to be, then you, you're doing the right thing. You know, if, if yeah. you get into the end of the year and you're losing money, then you better start changing some things uh, for the next year. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So our, our, our margin, again, was was achievable uh, for most part. We did have some scenarios where we lost uh, some money that, you know, wasn't I wasn't prepared. But I, I believe that in, in any new business venture, you're going to have some it's other problems. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. I think um, it's really I think it's really important what you said that even though the job numbers changed and they were so much higher, the principle stayed the same. And I think for so many contractors, they see these these bigger opportunities and they forget that principle and they see the number and they're like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, that's a that's an amazing job. That'll feed us for, you know, the next three months or whatever it is. And you've got to keep that principle stay the same because otherwise you're going to lose all your profit. You're going to be more stressed out. You're going to be in a hole, all these different things. Well, I think, yeah. uh, Antonio, this is something I'm, I realized the first day I met Antonio and I saw his books. Uh, one of the critical things, and we're just passing through as if everybody knows this, but vast or a large majority of contractors don't have good books, in my experience. So uh, the ideas of cost and margins and what you've, you've said just in passing, if your margins are where they need to be, well, where do they need to be? <laughs> Is 10% margin, 50% margin, 30% margin. 
a lot of people pursue sales for the sake of sales. And what I just want to point out that you just said, and it's been true since KFC from what I've heard today, is that it's not sales for the sake of sales. It's sales that bring you margins and then ultimately at the end of the year bring you a profit. And you, and, yeah. uh, you obviously analyze in the past because you say if your margins were not where they need to be, then you may need to make changes. So that's a, a key thing in this podcast that we'll be talking about is, is people understanding their books, understanding margins, understanding what margins have to be. And for, if I'm hearing you uh, correctly, Antonio, you couldn't run your business without that knowledge. Is that right? I mean, how oh. important is that? <laughs> oh my gosh, that is uh, unbelievably important. I mean, you, you know, this is one of the reasons why contracting businesses are one of the leading uh, failed businesses in the United States is that people don't understand that. You can't just yeah. run the numbers. You know, the numbers may look good on a cash flow basis, seeing money coming in, but if it's going out just as fast as it's going in, you are uh, right. not going to make a profit. And if a business is not profitable, ultimately it's going to have to close its doors. Right. So, so I just want to make sure that didn't go by the wayside because that's one of the critical elements of any successful business is understanding your numbers. Can't do it without yeah. it. So what I'm, what I'm, uh, you know, you've got an, a very successful business. It's 2020. You've learned a lot over the years. We, like you said, we could spend hours and probably days talking about all the lessons that you've learned and, and things that you've gotten right and things that you've gotten wrong. But, um, I, I would like to just go through some areas somewhat quickly and kind of a concise way and just show people all the different facets of your business uh, that are successful and that you've had to work on. Um, so we don't need to go super in depth, but um, just want to ask you some key business questions really quick. So um, what's, you've got a great tagline, but what's the vision for your company? Um, what, where, where, what are you heading down now? Back then you didn't know about pools. Now you guys are in pools. What is your vision now for Aquascape pools? I mean, really, uh, our, our vision encompasses more than pools today. Uh, we want to really help people uh, reconnect with the outdoors uh, mm. and in a small way. And I'm not talking about reconnecting by going out to uh, the mountains uh, in Colorado. That would be the ultimate <laughs> reconnection. But, you know, bring it to their yards. So whether it is with a pool, whether it is with a water garden or uh, just a fire pit, an outdoor kitchen, uh, a sitting area, you know, just any kind of a way that helps that particular client reconnect with nature, reconnect with the outdoors. That's what we're trying to be uh, of assistance, you know, and we want to be able to facilitate that. So again, you know, I don't try to go up there and sell them something that doesn't fit their personality. Mm -hmm. uh, some people are just not cut out for a pool. Some people are not cut out for a waterfall, even if they do want a pool. So instead of going in there with the vision of sell, sell, sells, is more of a what is it that is going to help you enjoy your outdoors? What, what's going to help you to enjoy your backyard? And then let's see if Aquascape can help you create that and, and facilitate the uh, steps to get you to have that enjoyment of your backyard where you can create experiences and memories. Uh, so that's really our vision. It's just helping people uh, reconnect, uh, if you were to sum it up. That's good. I like that because it can it can go into so many different facets. It doesn't limit you to the pools. It can also be pergolas. It can also be, you know, gardens. It can, you know, it's not just pool. It can be anything that helps them to reconnect with nature. Yeah. Um, 
So who is your target market now? And, and why have you chosen this tar- that target market? I mean, really, anybody with a backyard is my target market, um, right? So I guess, but you're not doing certain types of pools. Like you're you're only starting at a certain level, right? Uh, well, you know, we we have said that, but I, I do need to uh, clarify it. So, at a certain level, when we say, you know, we're we're doing unique uh, outdoor designs and we're we're trying to uh, not do cookie cutter approach, yes, right. I I definitely. Um, I agree with that. However, a, a lot of people don't have the room to do something big. Um, so sure. we, we had in prior years developed a, a line to try to um, uh, target people that were going to spend a certain amount of money. And I think right. we, we even went as far as putting a line on our website that said project starting at 75000 We We have since taken that down because we realized that we were uh, leaving a segment of the population out of the equation. Uh, somebody that, that buys in a zero lot line, they they have a, a beautiful home, let's say 3,000, 4,000 square foot home, but their backyard is basically non-existent. Uh, and they want to still do something with that little backyard. They want to have a small little oasis, a small little sitting area. So it's not feasible for them to spend $75,000. It's just not going to work. I mean, unless I go in there and just go, it's it's, totally crazy with their backyard. So, you know, they they may spend $30,000 or $40,000. If I can make my 30% margin on that $30,000 or $40,000 project, it's it's all back to your question earlier. It's it's all the same, whether whether it's $1,000, you know. So we, we kind of changed directions a little bit within the last couple of years to encompass yeah. and embrace the fact that everybody's backyard has the opportunity to have that added, you know, nature connection that, that, yeah. that you know, and serve our goal, serve our mission. So, well, I think, I think what you said there that really sticks out is that you're really not going for the cookie cutter. You set yeah. yourself apart with incredible designs where even if they do have that small lot they're able to do something that's so unique so so custom um and you really are targeting someone who is not looking for the cookie cutter not someone who just wants a pool but they want the best pool exactly Uh, i mean like i said earlier go to the aquascapeokc.com you'll see some of the coolest projects for pools you've ever seen um and there's nothing cookie cutter about it yeah um and so, sometimes the website itself kind of uh, helps you narrow that field down to your client mm-hmm, because absolutely. I've, I've had people that fill out our form uh, requesting a quote uh, on our website. Uh, so we call them and the, the first thing they say is, well, we love your pools. We like what we saw, but we don't want that. We want something cookie cutter. I mean, they'll basically say that to our our staff. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we have the opportunity to just weed that out because we're going to go out there and waste our time on that lead because yeah. they're not going to buy what we offer. So at that time, we have the opportunity to say, you know, thank you so much for reaching out. Uh, we may not be the best fit for you. Yeah. Uh, you know, our pools are not cookie cutter as you know, they themselves recognize it. So you, you wonder why do they fill out the form? Because they, they themselves say, you know, wow, this stuff is awesome. But, but we don't want that's that. not what I want. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that's so crucial. So many contractors, I mean, one, customers aren't learning anything from their website. But two, you've got on there 
photos and examples of your work and people know that's the kind of work that you do just by seeing your website. And two, you're generating leads from your website and getting quotes uh, requested from your website, which is a huge deal. And then three, you're able to have conversations that are discovery conversations so that you don't have to go out in person. And you're able to do that because you've got the website, because you've got the pictures on there and such a key thing. Like how valuable is your website to you today? Oh my gosh. My, my website is immensely valuable. I mean, it's just, I mean, we've had it for a long, long, long time. And in the early, early years, uh, it was one of those things that you could have done without, but as, as time has progressed and the, uh, uh, you know, tech technology has evolved and everything's online these days, it is just an amazing tool uh, to have. And, you know, the work that we do is so unique. It is hard to really uh, promote that um, yeah. in any other way. I mean, on the website, we have tons of pictures. We have videos. We have links to Facebook. We have links to our YouTube channel. We have links to House. So, you know, the, the, the client can totally uh, see exactly what we're about before they even make that phone call. Yeah, before they even take a minute of your time. Yeah, yeah it's, that's incredible. Um, super important for any contractors out there. Um, so what, um, with, with the work that you do now, I mean, you guys have become very efficient. You're doing, you know, dozens of pools a year and really high end custom homes, not just digging a hole in the ground, but you guys are building beautiful landscapes with the pools as well. Um, and if you see the pictures, you'll know what we're talking about. What has been like the key to continuing to continuously improving and becoming so efficient? Well, as far as improvement is concerned, is education. Uh, I, I, you know, this year is going to be tough because of the coronavirus limits. But uh, I, I go to seminars every year. I have been since two thousand seven when I when I went to my first pool seminar, and I haven't stopped since. Um, Trade shows uh, and uh, continuing education is a key. Yes, there's a lot to be learned from experience and from just doing it. But if you just continue to only learn from yourself, you're going to limit. You're going to limit that uh, knowledge base to just what you are able yeah. to create. Uh, and when you get outside of that box and you go and you visit with other contractors and you visit with other um, experts in the fields then you're going to realize that there's a lot more to be learned. Um, you learn from each other. They, they look at things that you did. You're, you're able to be a help to someone else. And then you're, you're gaining from the knowledge that they have and the experiences that they have had. So uh, that, that's how we continue to get better. And that's how we continue to improve is to, uh, again, surround ourselves with uh, other experts. And, and I like to say people that are smarter than me, I, I go to some pool guys that I think are way smarter than me, but then they think I'm smarter than them, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yeah. it's just amazing. Uh, I built some great relationships over the years uh, with some guys in, in California and in Texas and in Florida. And uh, we just really bounce ideas off each other. And we, we find that uh, we have a lot to learn from each other. So Yeah, that's great. Well, um, Man, what an incredible story. And we'll probably have to have you back on in the future to, to go through um, some other aspects of, it, of your business. But it's really great to hear all that uh, from you. Thank you so much for sharing. We're going to jump into some of our segments. Uh, Martin, me, are you ready? Yeah, let me, let me just say something really quickly here. I think that uh, what we've heard today is a story of a man and some principles and his trusting in God. Um, uh, willing to do what was necessary 
uh, accepting the challenge of learning from everything you did. So while you're at KFC, you're learning about margins, learning about managing people, learning about dealing with the public. Uh, you've had the courage. Uh, I know that a lot of your courage comes from your faith in God, but it's still courage to do what you needed to do. You accepted challenges as learning opportunities. They didn't scare you off. And so I think the, uh, the big story here is the kind of person that you are and how you've succeeded. And in the future, uh, maybe we can do this again, where we talk a little bit about the details of business, the details of marketing, how you came up with margins, how you run your company, um, how you delegate. So more on the operational things that listeners might say, oh, I can do that. But uh, this has just been a great story. And uh, anyway, absolutely. Antonio, yes, thank you. But yes, I'm ready. I just no, I'm I'm, in, I'm inspired for sure. Um, well, thank you. And let's let's do that. Let's go into our Mount Rushmore segment. Let me uh, see here. You got to play the music. There we go. I don't know if everybody could hear that or not, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Mount Rushmore has nothing to do with that sound. What uh, What do you feel like the What were your top four things from this? What biggest takeaways, Martin? Well, my Mount Rushmore things, one is going to be bookkeeping um, because I, uh, Antonio does, well, anyway, it's bookkeeping. It's foundational to everything. And uh, Antonio's done a great job of it since the get go. And when I first saw his books, the first day I met you, I realized it was, I'm seeing something that I don't see elsewhere. So bookkeeping, uh, I also want to talk about some kind of ephemeral things, but courage, um, a focus on others. Um, you know, that, that it's a servant's heart, but you're focusing on others. You, you, you said several times, I'm not out trying to sell somebody something. I'm just trying to find out what they want and provide it to them, which is the very definition of great sales. And then I think surrounding yourself with, uh, people who are smarter than you. And I think you said it, well, I'm not sure they're smarter than you, but they're different in the, the, uh, the sum of the parts is greater than or the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. So those are my four bookkeeping, courage, focus on others and surrounding yourself with uh, people who are smarter than you. Those are great. Um, and mine are honestly pretty similar. Um, so my big four things, um, for this are just Antonio's faith, uh, his connection to the church. There's no question that he wouldn't be where he is, that he wouldn't be where he is today without, without God and without that, that church family. And I know he would agree with that. Um, I think the learning mentality is so key. Um, you know, you mentioned that at the end, Antonio, that you're always looking to go to seminars and that's really just a, a value, um, that you have and you have to have as a, as a person in life in general, but as a contractor, especially there's just so much that you don't know and you have to be willing to see every experience, whether it's a good experience or a bad experience is a learning opportunity. And you did that tremendously well. Um, the next one is just knowing, knowing your customers. I know that you may not think about it like that, but it was really obvious from the get go that you knew your customers just on the basic level of, Hey, these neighbors don't mow their lawn. Maybe they need me. Right. Or man, they don't spend much time outside that they need me. Right. Uh, just knowing your customers, even when, you know, with changing the, taking the $75,000 off the website uh, as where your project started, that was knowing your customers, knowing that like, Hey, not, not all of our customers have big lawns that can get to that budget, but they can still spend a lot of money on a small space. Yeah. Um, I think you've known your customers from the get go and that's been so tremendous. And 
not enough contractors spend time with their with their um, with their customers and understanding their their mentality. Um, and then and then lastly, uh, I'm gonna put grit on there. Um, I think that it takes a certain amount of courage, yes, but even just like I know so many people that would be ashamed to take a job at KFC when the job offers weren't coming in and you wanted to work, you wanted to do things. I know people that wouldn't wouldn't dare put their hands on a lawnmower because it was beneath them. And you know, you've only been able to get to where you are today because you had that grit and you didn't care what was in front of you, you were going to you were going to conquer it. And so um those are my big four. I would say my George Washington out of all those though would definitely be faith and and church. Um, cause you've, you've gone through some really hard things and I know that that wouldn't, you wouldn't have been able to get through it without your faith. And I, I'm, I'm not speaking for you. I know you'd agree. Um, so Martin, what would be your George Washington? Out no, there? They're all, all of them are important, but I'll just say, uh, focus on others. Yeah. If you concentrate on how you're serving others, uh, you'll wind up taking care of yourself as well. Absolutely. Um, Antonio, you had already given us a quote of the day, surround yourself with people that are better than you. I think that's, that's really great. Um, and you're a testament to that, but I think we all need to do that. We all got to surround ourselves with people that we can learn from people that we can also teach. Um, uh, and we can learn through that teaching, but we've got to surround ourselves with people that are better than us. Um, we do this. Uh, this and adding, oh, adding, adding to that, if there was a, a C or uh, uh, another A, B, and C, I would put on there. Learn, learn from your mistakes. You use them uh, uh, for building yourself and becoming better for the next time. Uh, so, uh, a mistake is an opportunity to get better. And oftentimes, uh, people uh, don't take criticism. Uh, they get defensive. Uh, they they are either ashamed of a mistake or they are uh, wanting to pass the buck and blame it on somebody else. But really, a mistake is an opportunity to get better. And uh, so just embrace it. That's great. That's great. So um, we always like to leave Antonio with something that people can go and do, something that they can actually like go and do. And you, you talked to us yesterday about what you would recommend about, you know, for you, it would be connecting with nature, but uh, just understanding your customer. Tell us more about that. Um, something to actually go and do. Um, yeah, yesterday you had said, you know, for for you, you you said connecting with nature is so key because if not, you don't understand what kind of outdoor experience your customer wants because yeah. you can't you, you can't see yourself in their in in their shoes, and that's so, a really important thing. Yeah. So uh, yeah, and again, I said it in the in regards to the, the particular business that I'm in. Um, I mean, just just the experiences that you see from being outdoors, and just getting out uh, a sense of you know understanding and taking in your surroundings. So even if you're not out in the woods, I mean, just going to a park, uh, a city park, and and just uh, taking in the, the the aroma of the air and listening to the birds and listening to the the wind as it hits the trees and it moves the leaves i mean just that connection just brings a relaxation to your soul and uh you know we we that's what we want to try to create so sometimes just as simple as planting a couple of trees in somebody's backyard is is just an enough it's a first step just of creating that that nature feel yeah. and that connection so yeah and i think for for other contractors that may not be outdoors 
you know, go and find areas that your customers go and live their, their life for a little bit, go and be in their shoes, put yourself in their experience. Um, because it's not about you, it's about them. Listen to them and know what and know what they want by experiencing what they're experiencing, is what I get from that. Yeah. Uh, one thing, like I remember this years and years ago. My daughter was little, and we went to the zoo. And and what do you go to the zoo to do? I think mostly is to look at animals, right? That's what you would agree. <laughs> or, yeah. But uh, my daughter made a comment to me. It's like, Dad, you spend more time looking at the plants and the trees than you have <laughs> looking at the animals. So again, I was embracing the surroundings and I was embracing nature and I was learning because then I can take that experience and apply it to somebody's yard. Yeah. And uh, that that's, you know, I remember my daughter pointed that out, pointed that out to me. So, No, that's good. That's good. Okay, so... Um... Before we wrap up here, we've got Ethan ready for his uh, his insights, and um, he's got a lot to cover yep. in this almost two hour episode. So, Ethan, the what, intern. Uh, yeah, you ready, Ethan? I am ready. Okay, well, let's get your music going. We're gonna give you ninety seconds again, um, and I might I might be quicker than that. Oh, you think so? I might be. Okay. Well, let me get the timer going here. Um, music is going. <clears throat> All right, go for it. All right. So sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do, but in turn, it can push you to do something you actually want to do. Uh, like Antonio turned his hobby into his career after working at KFC. Um, build relationships with your customers, uh, even outside of what they need. It can help you discover their actual problems. Uh, prove the price of your service by delivering quality. Uh, Antonio realized or utilized his relationships with, from KFC to find employees at the start, but quickly realized he needed to find more reliable customers or employees. So he found a right-hand man and he hired one of his longtime friends. Uh, have a trust in employees can be a blessing in hard times. Uh, Antonio took risk when he started building pools but that's what you have to do sometimes. Sometimes you have to take risk. Uh, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Uh, when you make a mistake, you own up to it and learn from it. And the principle of margins doesn't change as prices go up. Uh, know your margins and stick to it. And understand your books. Uh, if you understand your books, you can make more valuable decisions, uh, take on better jobs, deny jobs, and just grow your company better. Yeah. Okay, good stuff. Martin, did you leave anything out? I uh, don't think so. I think it was pretty good. So, very good. Antonio, did you leave anything out? Oh, I'm sure we left tons out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. I stumbled on one. We it was about hiring employees. At first, you hired quick just to fill a spot, but then yeah. you realized you needed better employees. So absolutely, that was where I stumbled absolutely. in there. Yeah, it's good. No, no, no. This is really good. I think that you summed it up quite nicely. Uh, okay, so, good. You well, leave it like in the, in the in the distant future, uh, so that you have time to recover. But where we talk about some of the particulars that you've done, you know, the details that contractors who are listening and want to emulate your uh, your success, uh, particular things that they can do. So, if yeah. you're open to coming back in the future. We would appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind. I, I might uh, next time be smarter with the uh, 
the the whole uh, internet thing and and do that. <laughs> so, and let's no not, worries. Let's, let's well, your your idea of surrounding yourself with somebody smarter than you—that's what Khalil does for me. I don't know. How to do any he mentioned well, that he's a millennial. Well, Khalil said he's a millennial. Give me better internet or Katy, Oklahoma. I, I am all ears. Yeah. We'll He's got to have Elon, Elon Musk send up a satellite for you so you can beam oh, it right right in. So Goodness. Well, hey, Anthony, Antonio, uh, thanks for for your time today. We know it's hard to to make two hours to record yeah. a podcast, but uh, we know your, your story is going to be an impact to so many people. Um, listeners can connect with you through your website, right? Yes. Uh, aquascapeopc.com. And um, yeah, there'll be a lot of resources in the show notes as well. So appreciate it. Thank you, Cashflow Contractors. And uh, yeah, Antonio, we'll see you soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Thanks, appreciate Antonio. See Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.